Now, broadcasting on Radio Star Worldwide, it's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. Welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, prescription for your transformation on this uh, beautiful uh, Thursday evening in uh, Tampa, Florida, joined by Mitchell Stefko out there in uh, San Francisco. You're still there, right? Hey, Bart. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And of course, the the inevitable and wonderful producer of Wendy. Thank you so much for being here today. So today, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so today's, today's cool. Um, I'm I'm delighted to be um, talking to uh, Mitchell once again. And with my last introduction, we did it about a year ago, introducing him as an amazing thought leader, a thought leader about uh, conscious uh, mindsets, about conscious consciousness and, and business and consciousness in, in masterminding. Uh, but most importantly, um, his impact on Silicon Valley as helping over 150 CEOs raise over $5 billion to achieve their dreams. So here's the man who knows what he's talking about. And particularly today is something that a lot of us really need more of. And that is, you know, what are the strategies? What are the mindsets of success? And these mindsets that he helps, you know, major companies achieve, you know, can also be very beneficial for you as well. So, Mitchell, thank you so much for being here today. And, you know, like to talk about that mindset and like to talk about, you know, strategies that people can tap into. And as you mentioned to me before that we started is, you know, people are just not tapping into their own resourcefulness. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Brother Bart. And, and, and you know, what this applies to is like, yes, this applies to companies that are, that are worth billions of dollars, but it also applies to the solopreneur. And it also applies to the person that's working inside of another company. So the great news is our time together can be beneficial for everyone. I personally specialize on companies that typically have a million in revenue that's on their way to 100 million plus really fast. And what you start to see in that, having been here in Silicon Valley for 30 years, is there are elements of a growth mindset. And the people that really have have that growth mindset tend to be able to succeed and thrive. And those that don't, you know, I mean, I I met Elon Musk, for example, back before PayPal was even PayPal. They had no revenue. And, you know, I knew he had the growth mindset. You could just see it in his eyes that he was going to get to the end goal. He could see the end. It's sort of that is part of the growth mindset is starting with the end in mind. And he knew that the Internet was going to create this new payments system, that one of its many uses was going to be a delivery system that would disintermediate payments. And even when his own technology at the time had problems scaling, he wasn't worried about it because he knew since he already had an industry leading position as a startup over some of the other early payments guys. And about, I think, two months after I met with him, he announced he acquired PayPal and merged in with them. So that's part of the growth mindset is even a technology entrepreneur, even when your technology doesn't scale at the level you need it to, that doesn't stop you. You just go out and find where the technology is and how to go get it. So I think the first part of a growth mindset is really starting with the end in mind and being really clear 
on what that outcome is. You know, you and I have been in our masterminds over, and every year at the beginning of the year, we have people think forward to the end of the year. Like if we, if I was to talk to you a year from today, where would you want to be as you sat and looked back? And we literally have people kind of float in their mind's eye out on their timeline up to the future. And we do a little trance around that. You know, we throw a little waking hypnosis and let people kind of drop in and see what they're seeing, hear what they're hearing and feel what they're feeling. Now, when you're doing that, you're actually tapping into your own unconscious. And, and it becomes like your own wise mentor in the future. And in fact, I talk to future me, gosh, probably at least once or twice a week to get advice on things because future me has already made the decision. They already know the outcome. And so anytime I can grab future Mitch, that's a, that's a big win and really be able to hear what wisdom comes back. So this is fascinating because, you know, I, I've been, you know, taught, if you will, mentored in, in that very fact is, is everything is outcome driven. And what I find fascinating is so many people are not experiencing or living their lives in that way. They just kind of <clears throat> go through the regular routine. Well, I kind of want to do this and I kind of want to do that. So my question for you, um, Mitchell, is, you know, why is it that you think people just don't have this growth mindset? Because it seems quite simple to do, and it seems really quite obvious to do, but why is it that so many people just don't do it? Well, they don't know how to practice. I mean, it's like many other things. There are people that are born with a growth mindset, but like most other things, you can model. I'm, I'm an advanced trainer and master in neuro-linguistic programming. You can model other people with a growth mindset. Growth mindset people tend to do similar things on a regular basis. One of the things a lot of growth mindset people do is at the very beginning of their day, they kind of visualize their day and sort of see how it's going to go. You've, you've all heard the stories, you know, about the advanced athletes, you know, that see themselves running faster, jumping further. Well, you can apply that right into your own life right now, starting today. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you can literally say, how do I want to see my day going? And how do I want to see it being at its best possible? And literally just spend two or three minutes and visualize your day. Visualize that maybe that challenging person at work and how you're going to come at them in a more open way that's going to, going to give you a better result. You would be surprised, you know, that just by, again, it's, there's lots of people have heard of the power of intention, but this is sort of intention plus kind of energetic stepping into it so you're literally living it to make it more likely to happen and occur the way you want it. Um, I used to like kind of mentally design my whole year. Now I'm mentally designing my whole day. And, you know, I spent some minutes even before our conversation mentally designing just how this, this, this interaction, this interview would go as great as possible for both of us and benefit as many people as possible, because that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to benefit as many people as possible. So, so to kind of give it an objective number, even if that's <clears throat> remotely possible, just so that people can have a reference point as to what's the difference between somebody <clears throat> who doesn't start off their day or start off anything with the intention, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, versus like you actually doing that. I mean, how would you compare your life now by being more intentional versus how it was maybe 20, 30 years ago? Every single day of my life is infinitely better than it was when I did not do this in, in every possible way. I'm more prepared for things that might come out of the ordinary. There are things that jump up at you. I'm also kind of more looking forward to it as I actually go through my day, since I've kind of visualized it, it's almost like it's just kind of positively reinforcing. 
Right. Uh, you know, just before our call, I had a, a call with a with a long term client, and we've been, you know, we've been doing a fundraising for him, and as he's got this great thing that's going to help a ton of people, um, and uh, helps mainly troubled teens, and he's been doing this for thirty years, and you know, and I can't go into the details, but you know, some of the things of some of the circumstances have changed as we've gone through and learned a lot in this. And rather than kind of be panicky or nervous about the things changing, I sort of have held the possibility that we may go route A, we may go route B, we may go route C, and this is route C. And so having already thought about some aspects of route C, there's no panic involved with it. It's just, it's just okay, I really kind of thought we'd be A, and then if A didn't happen, I thought we'd be B. But now there's still C, and I'm already ready for C because I, I at least contemplated what C would look like. It's not, a surprise. it's not a surprise to me because I already felt in my mind's eye I've been there. You know, it's interesting because it just requires, <clears throat> the way that I like to put it, is just work. You have to work towards these things. You have to, you know, prepare these things because you can't just expect things just simply to happen. And, <clears throat> you know, there's that phrase that says, you know, what's, what's the definition of luck? And it's really when preparedness meets opportunity. And it really is all about that preparedness. It's really looking at your the possibilities of potential outcomes and then also having the flexibility to change. But here's one thing that I find very fascinating. And, you know, for people that are listening in, you know, uh, Mitchell has a very special talent. And that's understanding what the, the, the world of neuro-linguistic programming. You know, we live in a, a life of what we call neurology. And we run a bunch of programs which are our behaviors and it's all connected with language. And that's a very simplistic way to put it. But if you think about it, you know, we use language to communicate with others in ourselves, you know, then and there's a programming that delivers our, our, our uh, behavior. But what I find fascinating is this, getting back to the whole idea of intention, is that you're kind of programming your unconscious mind to go in a certain way. And when we compare the speed of a snail, which is compared to how our conscious mind works, to our unconscious mind, which is the speed of a fighter jet, right? You know, our unconscious mind is processing so much. And so it's almost like you're giving an invitation for your unconscious brain to process all this information that you can't handle all at once to really deliver, as you were saying earlier, the solutions that you're looking to have. And as long as we don't have that conversation between the unconscious and the conscious mind, I mean, we're almost living in an unconscious world, right? Well, and most people are unconscious. And, and one of my early mentors said, look, you, there's only two people. There are people that are living at cause, which is basically I'm directing my life. And there are people that are living at effect, which is everybody's constantly in reaction mode to everything and all the stimulus around them. Now there's a, and, and they, they, their estimate was that 1% of people at the most are living at cause. And most of the real successful people, if you model them, and we've modeled Richard Branson and, and Elon Musk and Bill Gates and, and Warren Buffett and the, the people you hear about that are, you know, at least financially, you know, we have a spiritual and a conscious side that you and I can talk about at some point, but if you measure by society success, those people have been crazily at cause their entire life. The people that I know that are really struggling, that never get to where they want, that, that never seem to find the job that's happy, that never seems to feel like the relationships are right, are the ones that are kind of mostly at effect. Like, if you don't like your life, 
you know, you've got only one person is going to care the most about changing it, and that's got to be you. There is no magic fairy out there that's going to wave a wand and suddenly make everything awesome. And, uh, you know, it's I wish there was. Or if there is, could you please have somebody, you know, text in and introduce me to him or her? I live in I live in San Francisco, so we're gender neutral about about <laughs> fairies. And uh, so we're open to open. All are welcome. All right. What are you laughing about? <laughs> you just crack me up. I love you, Mitchell. You're awesome. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing great. Those that think this, this is I'm not drinking my own urine. This is not some weird health thing. This is a this is a liquid vitamin B. So it's that it's normally sure. uh, again, this is preparation. <laughs> I, I know at three o'clock is normally kind of my energetic flight drop time. So again, I did a little energetic prep, and I'm just sipping a little liquid vitamin B as opposed to you know slamming a Starbucks that at five o'clock I'll crash and you know hit my head against the desk and you know, do whatever bad. So th again, this is just a little proper planning. I know that this is normally kind of my time when my natural energy comes comes by rhythmically a little bit of lull. But I'm not experiencing that at all because A, excited to connect with you. B, I did a one minute of energy work before we got on. And C, I got my, you know, vitamin B urine. <laughs> uh, I, I feel kind of left out. I, I'm the one with the, the clear liquid and, and it's not vodka or anything. It's, it's actual real water. So, so, so when you talk about the world and everything that's going on, and if everybody on this call just decided to take more accountability for what's going on in their life, like really just say, okay, and even it may not even be a big thing. It may just be, I'm going to decide to be in a better mood, you know, in a 20% better mood. I'm going to decide not to let things bother me, just to make a decision. Now, I also know with NLP that there are some things that are deep programs that can easily trigger you. So. If you are getting triggered by a lot of people around you and you have a lot of those events, go find an NLP expert or, or there's lots of good NLP practitioners out there. Or if you're in my range and, a, and a, own a company and have those triggers that's doing a million plus, you know, come call me. I'd be happy to talk to you about working together. But even, even, with, the, even with a lot of the big programs that I've found, if you just sort of shift where your focus is, you know, you and I have spent time way back with Tony Robbins. And... One of the things Tony Robbins says, and it's really true, and I, I'm sure he got it from one of the early NLP guys, is, is and Wayne Dyer's favorite quote was, where focus goes, energy flows. So if you're focusing on what's wrong all the time in your life, guess where all the energy and guess where all the, the, the power? You're like literally just, you're giving away all your power. If you focus on what's right, and there's, you know, if you're alive, there's something right. I mean, no matter what else is going on, you know, hey, I'm breathing, I'm alive. You know, it's, it's an, I'm here another day. One of the things I used to do when I woke up first morning, it's like, woohoo, I'm here another day. That's how I used to wake up. I got to start you know, doing that. Your day like that, everything's good, you know? What's that one? I said, I got to start doing that. Woohoo, I'm awake. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> you know, if that isn't a great way to start off a day, I don't know what is, you know? And I have a 10 minute or so ritual. It's called uh, kind of a coach plus state of, of firing these positive anchors and neuro associations to ground me, to center me, to open my heart and connect it to others, to have my my head be clear and present and focused and to be connected to the source, which for me is God, but it could be the universe or the sun or whatever's greater than yourself so that I'm, I'm part of this bigger field and I welcome that connection to that field. So I start every day. I mean, I know your brain, body, and what's the third one for you? It's energy. Right. You're, things so 
those all need to, and a lot of people, I invite you, if you if this all sounds new agey and from the Bay Area in California, I mean, just try it sometime because most people are in their head most of the time. And your head can be a wonderful place for certain things, but the more you open your heart, wow, you know, start to do that, to really open your heart. And if it's hard for you, especially, I know a lot of men or people have been hurt, it's hard to open their heart, get a dog. I mean, I'm telling you, I've got a four pound chihuahua. My heart's never opened more than to this little girl and Bart's seen her. She's just adorable. She's amazing <laughs> and, you know, unconditional love. She, I've got my 500 kisses already today. And, you know, there are lots of ways to just kind of open that heart connection to others, just even just a simple kindness. I, I just, I could tell the guy, the guy at the Safeway was in a bad mood the other day. And so I just said one or two things and it just, it shifted him. It just made him. I looked out. I said, "Wow, you know, we're here at the Safeway, and it looks—it literally has a panoramic view of the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge, the world-famous bridge, Alcatraz Island, Marin, all these sailboats, ships. I mean, if you're going to have a stand-up day job working in the grocery store, is that the coolest view on the planet, or what?" And I just sort of snapped him into being aware of that, and he said, "Yeah, you're right. There can't be probably a cooler place in America to be working in a Safeway." than with this view. And it took me 30 seconds to change this guy's entire perspective on the day. And, and that cost me. And, that and it cost me nothing. I was doing it while I checked out. So it was just fun to and do. That has, that has a ripple effect, which is just, you know, tremendous. I mean, you know, one, one um, uh, impact of, of kindness to someone, you know, just affects everybody else who's, who's watching it and seeing it and really elevates your own personal mood. And quite frankly, it also elevates your immune system and your own health. So doing these, these things not only impact you, but also impact others. But the challenge, I guess, that happens too often is that, you know, not everybody has that playbook. And my question then for you, and, and I have my own answer. Actually, I'll give you my answer first. But, you know, what's the, why are not people having this not not having access, I should say, to the right playbook. And and I dial it down to this one question. People are not asking themselves, what is it that they really want, really? Because I think if you really ask that question, you know, if, if you're in a very negative mood or you're upset, or you're angry, you're frustrated, I can't imagine anybody really wanting to be in that state. And so when yeah. I get to these states, and I call it the state of disturbance, so I don't qualify in, in, or judge it in any way or, or whatever. And then I ask myself, okay, is this what I really want right now? So what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I want to first hold space and recognize, you know, because I've worked with lots of clients with severe anxiety. I've worked with clients with severe depression. I had a brief period in my late 20s where I experienced depression. Like, I'm, I'm a naturally happy set person. But apparently, according to neuroscience, a, a, a guy here from... UC Berkeley that wrote a book called Buddha's Brain, only one out of people are, one out of seven or one out of eight people are naturally set for the happy mindset. The seven out of the eight, because our brains, as we evolved, we had to search for danger and what was wrong to stay alive. Now, most of that isn't there anymore. I mean, there, most, you know, there aren't gonna be bears or tigers that are gonna eat us. We can find water, we can find shelter, but yet the, the mindset that evolved for most people was one of Fear, danger, warning, something trying to just for survival. I mean, if you were a human more than a couple hundred years ago and wandering around, if you weren't careful, you were going to be dead. 
And so how he explained it is that the natural human mindset evolved for most people to be searching for something that could be wrong or is wrong. And then if you go a little deeper, and it's probably a little deeper this conversation, but if you go into something called genetic memory, which they've now proven in studies in London, that even the past generations of your ancestors can affect how your mindset is thinking now. Hmm. So if, you're, if your ancestors have had traumas, you can be subject to similar types of traumas. And so like people have unnatural, they don't know why they're afraid of heights or spiders or you know dark alleys or elevators. You know, there probably is a, um, you know, some correlation to something either early in life that was similar that you reminded you that that's scary. So, you know, part of the first thing you're, you know, when you're digging a deep hole, one of the first things to do is, you know, put down your shovel and start digging and see if you can step out of it, if you can do anything to step out of that negative state. So if you're depressed or sad, there are some natural depressed, sad, anxious cures. Singing one of your favorite songs or listening to one of your favorite songs can will make almost anybody happier. Just breathing deeply in and out will tend bring more oxygen to the brain. Bouncing up and down, kind of doing a little Qigong bounce where you're not literally even jumping off the ground will typically put you naturally in a better mood or reset your state. Or in NLP, if you visualize, because no matter who what your life is, you've had happy memories. Think of the happiest, most joyful, most peaceful, most wonderful memory, and then think of another one, and then think of another one. And you should even create a list of five or six of these that you could always go to just to snap you out of this you know, not resourceful state. And a lot of what I teach clients, because most people spend most of their day not in an optimal state. They're in less than optimal. Even if you do this work at the beginning of the day, you know, you might react to a phone call. You might react to an email. You might have a negative thought come in. One of my friends calls it ants, automatic negative thoughts, uh, Dr. Uh, Amen, uh, Daniel Amen. So you constantly have to be monitoring yourself for how you're doing because otherwise there's just garbage coming in during the day and you need to keep taking out the garbage and or so self-calibrating yourself. Am I at a 10 right now? Am I at an eight of level of presence, positivity, optimism, whatever, whatever you want to create in your life and below a certain level, just stop for a second and you've got to basically do something to shift yourself back out of that. And in my mastermind and in my private trainings, you know, I teach people, I just gave you five or six examples that most people could do, but I have some much more sophisticated, brief ther self therapy things that can help literally anybody snap out of that lesser mindset and get back into an optimal state. You know that that makes a lot of sense, and you know Recording what has started is that you know it's a choice. I mean, you know, you have you know, everything is a choice. Being happy is a choice. Being unhappy is a choice, and just being aware is also a choice. And so it's just a matter of, as you say, that mindset, you know, are you just simply going to accept where you are right now? And if this is not the place that you want to be, then you've got all these tools and resources that you already possess that that you can really tap into. And the challenge that I find, quite frankly, is this, is that for most people, they just don't know what they don't know. And that's also the purpose of this platform as well, is really to have these conversations, real conversations, like the conversation with you today and, and Wendy, if she's going to share anything. <clears throat> um, <laughs> you're supposed to talk, by the way. Um, I'm intrigued. Great. We get to hear, you know, what the real experiences are from other people rather than just trying to translate, you know, the complex 
permutations of words in, in a book or whatever, but really listening to you and discovering, you know what, I can do that. You've done that. I can do that. And these are real stories. Absolutely. And I've had, like, I had a client who's, you know, again, he's very senior executive at a $500 million company. And, you know, I measured a couple of the core values. I said, what's most important to you at work? And he'd tell me, and what's second most, what's third most? I said, so if you had to score all those on a one to 10, like, where are you now? And he came out at about a four, which, you know, for his level in a company, that's either ready to leave or possibly get fired. Because if you're if that's your ever level of satisfaction and your most important values, you're not going to stay in a company or you're sure not going to do your best work. But by just being made aware of those, and then with each one I asked him, what would it take for you to get this one from a four to a nine or a 10? And then we noted it and wrote it down. And then on the second one, what would it take you to get that? Okay. And then, and then so, and then what, and then with each one of those, we broke down what are the interim steps? Well, now three months later, he's at a 10 on three of the four and a nine on the fourth one. And, and it's t totally turned around how he feels about, about what he's doing. Um, the feedback has been remarkable and, um, you know, but it's, if you don't start to at least get that level of self-awareness of what's, of what's moving you toward what you want and what's not like so many people now, I, I live in San Francisco and I won't get into politics, but we're a very heavily democratic town. So, I mean, the, this whole election and results, I mean, people are running around with their hair on fire like the world's going to end. And it's probably not going to end. I could be wrong. But it, and, but it's just, again, the, the collective mindset. So if you're spending time, a bunch of time with peers who are telling you the world's going to end, that's probably not going to be nourishing for you. It's probably going to be draining. Mm -hmm. Or I, I, I had another good friend and member of our mastermind that lives in Brazil. And you think things are screwy here. You know, I mean, they fired their first president. The second one's under indictment. You know, the, the dollar there has lost like two thirds of its value. So if you had a thousand dollars in the bank, it's worth, you know, three or four now. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, it's worth 30% of that. And so the whole collective mindset of a country was negative. So, you know, I, I, pur I purposefully restrict my access to the news because mm -hmm. most of it's intentionally negative because huge secret, in case you didn't notice, the biggest advertisers are drug companies for depression and anxiety and other health conditions. So, you know, and real scary news gets people's attention. You know, real rosy, hey, we saved this puppy out of a gutter. You know, they may throw you one of those stories as a bone at the end of the night, but just sit, you know, sit through, if you can hold good space, an hour of the news and just rank every story as either negative or positive. Mm. And I guarantee you 98% of it's gonna be negative. But it also comes back to the reason it's so negative. It also comes back to, you know, the the biology that we have, as you said, you know, we're always watching out for danger. And so that gets grabs our attention much more quickly than a, than a happy story. And so I, yeah. I totally, totally agree with you um, on that. But also just to kind of put things in perspective, because it's very easy to lose that lose it and not so much to make it an argument to make us feel good but the truth is a homeless guy who lives under a, a cardboard uh, a box or roof is far better than perhaps you know five billion people in the rest of the world because when you add the numbers up as well i think it's what two and a half billion people we're almost at eight billion by the way um 2.5 billion people are earning less than two dollars a day and then um wow. And if you take the, the I think, the, the uh, lower income of a Mexican, for example, five and a half billion people in this world 
earn less than that as well. And so, yeah, I mean, your hair may turn to get on fire, but the truth is, is that, you know, and again, it's, it's your mindset. It's a mindset of possibility. It's a mindset of openness. It's a mindset of making that choice of who you really want to be right now. And quite frankly, what you can offer and contribute to source, because if we're always complaining about what's wrong with our life, what else are we not doing? We're not seeing what's right about it. Mm -hmm. I have a quick question when you're done. Uh, My question is, is, you know, you're talking about in the workplace, you're trying to avoid the people who are very negative. How do you become a more positive influence on them to get their head out of the gutter? Because a lot of times there you'll work in a place and everybody's wonderful, but there's always that one person that you do everything to not work with because nothing is ever good in their eyes. How do you help? switch that person's uh, thinking so they're not such a horrible person to be around? (laughs) Well, first, you know, you can only help people change that want to change in general. Mm -hmm. So that person has to have a desire. But secondly, you know, one of the first steps in communication is is to pace somebody. If you come up to a really negative, grumpy person and you're all bubbly and it's like, hi, Mark, how are you today? What's going on? It's great to see you. They're gonna look at you and go, like that it's like it's like that's going to be like that it's because it's just there's too big of a gap between where they are and where you are so you have to bring yourself down one of my first investors was this kindly old japanese man who was actually i found later interred unfortunately in one of our own camps during world war ii he was an american citizen second generation but i mean the japanese culture and people especially that age is quiet and it's refined and when I first came at him as my energetic self, he's just looking at me like he doesn't get it. And over a course of time, and I didn't have all these tools then, I said, oh God, if I match his voice, if I can speak at his level, so for that kind of sad person, you don't wanna go be sad with them, but you can kind of drop your tone down to about their tone or their speed of voice to your speed of voice, or even breathing. One of the greatest ways to match somebody, to pace them, is just notice how he's breathing. And if he's breathing really shallowly or she, and and the rest just watch one of their breaths and start breathing with them. And you've created literally for what 99.99% of people will be an unconscious level of rapport that will make him hate feel like, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person that's breathing this shallow paced breath. Uh, the other thing you can do, um, and, and you wanna pace a couple times before you start to lead anybody. Because again, you know, if you just come at them like, hey, why are you so sad? You, you just can't really do that. So it's, you know, it's, most people don't really feel seen, heard, or understood. So if you really want to connect with that person, take them aside for coffee and, and just open up saying, you know, hey, Todd, I, I mean, it, it seems like there's some stuff bothering you. Know, okay, how are you? You know, how, how, you know, how are things? Is there something I can do to help or support you? And often just, just spending five minutes of genuine eye contact, one-to-one contact, and truly great listening will at least lift some of the burden for people that are in that constant negative state. So those are those are a couple of tips that generally work. But you know, the if if you're surrounded with too many negative people, rather than you know, I would say go change companies and be around a company with more positive yeah. people, especially if it's your boss. Because you're not gonna, you're almost never gonna turn around a negative boss. And I've only had two in my life, and it was awful. And I'll never do it again. Well, she's got a pretty cool boss. So, uh, and I'm saying uh, yeah. that because I own some money as well. Um, <laughs> I I love my job. And on, honestly, this is the first job I've had where there is no negative people. 
So I'm like, okay, I got my I got my dream job. We're good. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's true, too, is it's also about leadership and, you know, what, what qualifies a great leader. And this is something that escapes most people. But what really qualifies a great leader is someone who understands what people need and help them do things that they wouldn't otherwise do on their own. And so it is about leadership, and that's a choice that you, you can make. But remember one thing is that, you know, you're responsible for your own brain. You're, all, yeah. you're responsible for your own thoughts and therefore your own actions. And so, so are they. So is everyone else. And then you always have to ask yourself, and this is an important part, because if you feel kind of uncomfortable about the way somebody else is behaving, you know, that's, that's an opportunity to actually look inside of yourself first and say, hey, what's going on here? And that's why I came up with my own expression. I celebrate my faults and my weaknesses, really, because now it comes into my awareness of, hey, why am I uncomfortable right now? What's going on with me so that there's something that I can change? I mean, there's a reason why Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. You know, you yeah. be the change and just be the model of, of greatness. But, you know, uh, Mitchell is, is right on. In, in so far as how we communicate, and that's one of the unfortunate things about our societies and education, by the way, is that we really don't learn how to communicate. And Mitchell knows as well is that, you know, 7% of the way we communicate is act, the actual words. The rest is our body language and our intonations. And so we can connect much more effectively, you know, by matching other people's uh, physiology and behavior and really connect with them. One of the big secrets is people, and this I think first came from either Dale Carnegie or uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, is like people like people who are like them. So if you want to get somebody to like you, and it's not being manipulative, it's just it's it's basically just an easier access point. Be more like them. I mean, if somebody's a loud talker, talk more loudly too, because if there's within a certain band, you can be different. But if you're so different, it it becomes kind of it becomes harder to just even have that level of rapport. Um, so, you know, and, and when it comes to faults and weaknesses, you know, it, again, where that self-assessment comes in, and it's like, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I'm probably only 20% on my path of the other 80 that I still have to find and transform. It's a lifelong, I think I've changed over 400 limiting beliefs in my life since wow. working in NLP 15 years ago. And I'm, I'm really excited about the next 500, and it's like welcoming all the yeah. visitors exploration like i i still don't love confrontation i don't know many people that do my my cousin does he's you know so he found exactly the right career for that he's a litigator so i mean he does it for a living but i still think confrontation and conflict is not great but we all have to basically tell truth to others sometimes and yesterday i had to do that with someone who i considered a dear friend a business associate about something that just was really out of out of alignment for me and, and so I, to do that, I got in my most heart state and kind of first started saying with, you know, there's something that's triggering me here and I'm curious about it. And I know there's some, there's a part of this that is all about me and that I need to learn more about, but there's also something in what you're doing that is triggering that. And I want to make sure you're aware of it. And it was a totally different way to have a confrontational conversation with somebody who you know, it, uh, several people in my group just said, oh, just write that person off. Oh, you know, they're a bad person. Don't do it. And and yet through that hour or so experience we went through, I learned a lot more about myself. I learned I've got some programs and some rules around things around 
loyalty is a really huge value to me. And I felt this person had not been loyal. And so there's a level to respond to that, but if you're responding so much that it's kind of almost an unconscious or triggered response, then you're not acting in a conscious present way. You're kind of reacting to these programs that fortunately and unfortunately, good programs help support our highest values and our best self. And some of these limiting programs, you know, keep us from being our best self. And like with all of my clients, I typically will have a strategy part of every session and then we'll have some identification of at least one belief area or one area where you're getting triggered in your life where let's transform that so that no longer happens. So rather than, than, than kind of mentally overcome it in the future, it just doesn't trigger you anymore. You know, my, my wonderful wife, who I've been with for 21 years, the end of this month, you know, she was always late for social stuff, always. She'll probably get mad if she sees this. But, you know, and, and, and I used to bother me. And, and where was that original program? My dad said that being on time was the most important thing in the world. And if you aren't on time, you're, you're devaluing the other person. You're telling them that your time is more valuable than theirs. And so I worked on shifting that program. And instead of it being a negative, I bought a guitar and literally taught myself how to play guitar, waiting for my wife to get ready for us to go out. Perfect. You know, I'm not a great guitar. I'm not a great guitar player, but at least I can accompany myself on some songs now. So it's like, so now when she's late, it's like, oh great, what three songs do I want to work on now? That is awesome. <laughs> or, or you can start serenading her and just uh, having her come uh, and listen more quickly and then be able to go wherever you no, need to go. When she's, when she's in ready mode, you don't want to you don't want to go into the field. It's the field of readiness. So you just. You just, you just one of the other secrets of happy marriage that I learned from somebody is separate bathrooms. His bathroom, her bathroom. Mm. Woman goes into her zone, does her thing. She looks fantastic. She's amazing. You've seen her. Um, and she's just an amazing person. So, again, that really was probably the, one of the biggest things we used to fight about in the early part of our marriage. And now it's just not an issue. And also with all my friends, I pre-fame like, hey, you know, we're going to be on, you know, on our on, on social time. Like, there is a difference. There is a window that's okay to be late in social time. And even beyond that, if you're late and it's social, you know, whatever. It's not like a business appointment I really think you shouldn't screw around with. My my strategy for business appointments is to be 15 to 30 minutes early. And now that we live in an age where, you know, my whole computer and all my work and my life is on here, great. I can catch up on three texts or I can read something or I can research something or I can think a little bit more about the person who I'm having the meeting coming up and read their LinkedIn and think more about their interests and how, how am I going to build a deeper relationship or connection with them? You know, and it really just simply comes down to this, you know, what's your model of the world? And, and perhaps people listening in may not be familiar with this concept, but you know, we all have our model of the world. We all have the rules and regulations of what's right, what's wrong, you know, what they believe, what they value and everything else. And so that's different for everyone. And just because someone disagrees and, uh, you know, with one kind of behavior doesn't mean that they're wrong. And this is something that I was very fortunate to to appreciate very early on in, in my uh, life because I grew up in five different countries. And yeah. I'm immediately exposed to the fact that in one place what was absolutely correct and, and appropriate and proper was completely the opposite in the other, and they were both right. And so <laughs> what's interesting then and this is just so wonderful and, and all this personal growth that we get to have because, you know, you said something that was, you know, very important for people to appreciate. You said, look, I had all these 400 problems that I've now resolved. You know, for us 
to to get divine happiness, and I believe that all of us desire divine happiness, we have to resolve whatever makes us unhappy. And if you're completely unaware of those things, you can't do anything about them. So I'm excited for Absolutely. you for your next 500 because that just means that you're going to get even more closer to your divine happiness. But the problem that so many people have, I believe, is judgments. And as soon yeah. as you judge something, you lose the entire opportunity to appreciate the greatness of what your judging is. And 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 you disqualify disqualify the possibility of learning something in that moment. And I'll give people some grace with that because judgment is almost by definition, it's the only way we could 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 be conscious beings. I mean, to completely be eliminated I mean, Jesus had judgment. Gandhi had judgment. I mean, they just they just weren't doing it most of the time. Um, you know, so because we nominalize so much information is coming to us, we nom we have to filter things down and our, our conscious mind has to make decisions about things. Now, you can certainly on the ones that you don't like, and again, part of this whole model of the world is if you're living by a set of values and rules, don't you at least want to know what the heck they are? Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know, and the best book for this and, you know, people love him, people hate him, but Tony Robbins is, you know, Unleash the Power Within. One of the chapters has you discover what are your values and what are your rules. And your values are things you value the highest, like love, but then your rule is, I, I feel loved when my wife makes me dinner every night. You know, well, my wife's not going to make me dinner every night, so I better change that rule because yep. my wife works and she's has a full-time career and she has friends and outside stuff, and we also live in the best restaurant city in the world. So everybody should try to figure out is what they what they value the most and what are the rules that are allowing them how how easy is it for you to you know feel or experience like even happy is a really triggering word for a lot of people. It's like this elusive thing that you know when I have this much money and when I have this car and a wife that's this good looking or husband and these three kids and the job of my dreams then I'll be happy. Like happiness is like it's I, I prefer one of my other mentors who says just like string together moments of joy like pearls because anybody everybody's experienced moments of joy. Not many people, you know, know whether they've ever truly been happy for as a sustained thing. But, you know, right now, every time you and I are together, it's, it's a moment of joy. So, you know, I've, I've, I've just strung another pearl together. and Boom. You know, I've got a, another call right after this with somebody else. Great. Boom, another moment of joy. I get to reconnect with your lovely, wonderful producer, and she was on that sign. Boom, another moment of joy. I'm just looking out right here and seeing San Francisco Bay and the sailboats out there. It's kind of a windy day, but there's a couple. That's another moment of joy. So if you make it easier to break it down, because I, I think I think happiness is kind of a nebulous thing. But it, like, and then one of the NLP strategies is to chunk really big things down. How can I experience more moments of joy today? than I did yesterday. How can I experience moment? Well, I experience more moments of joy watching CNN from six to eight o'clock tonight, or will I have more moments of joy going for a walk with my dog and then listening to some amazing music and having a great conversation with my wife? Which one of those two options are gonna likely deliver me more moments of joy? So I yeah, like well, that. Uh, yeah, and, and you're spot on with that. And you know, sometimes the words we use is just about semantics and what we mean and our understanding of that. <clears throat> and that's also true as to what allows us to feel joy or not, depending on 
language and meaning. But one thing that I think is brilliant about that value, there's, a, there's an exercise that you can actually do. And say, say for example, your top three values are, let's say, love, health, and, and finance, or wealth, let's say. And, and then you can start playing around with the actual order and then have yeah. a completely different experience. Because if love, health, and uh, wealth were, were the proper order, what if I changed it and said that wealth was first? You know, health uh, or love was second, and then health was third. You know, I might disregard my health at the expense of getting wealthy, and also uh, compromise my health at the expense of love. And so, for people doing that kind of exercise, you know, and this is a, an exercise that Tony Robbins does in his amazing events. You know, he specifically has you ask the question. You know, what would a person do, or what would a person believe? if he had these values in this particular order and it's a wonderful exercise because then you also get to appreciate you know what is it that you really want just like you said you know do i want am i going to get more joy watching cnn between six and eight or am i going to get more joy just going outside and enjoying nature and the truth is is that you know probably go out and and, and enjoy nature because that is something that that provides and generates positive energy in the body that really enhances your health. Yeah, and there's there's lots of evidence to back that up, and it's just uh, um, you know it, it especially if you can find wild nature. And I know that's harder for people in big cities, but um, nature that really hasn't been disturbed in any way or, or man man created. But even even a tree that was planted in a city is better than uh, again sitting on a you know a cement bench. You know, and worth comes to worth. I mean, I mean, it's not not exactly the best alternative, but you know, the visuals on computers and screens, and just yeah. experiencing that, and just kind of in a, in, a, in a sense, you know, kind of the things that you were describing earlier, just getting into that meditative state and just experiencing some of these images and just almost imagining yourself being in that, because you know, the brain doesn't really differentiate what's real, what's in your, what's your, what's imagined. And so, you know, you still can have that. You're missing out a lot of the true energetic impulses that come from, you know, Mother Earth. But, you know, this is this is the second best. But I do want to challenge you on one thing when it comes to judgment. And again, perhaps it's it's uh, semantics. You know, I like the word today uh, of, of opinions. I have opinions of stuff rather yep. than judgments. And when I find that I have a judgment of something, then it's sort of like I'm not really giving that person a chance to to express or allow me to appreciate or respect their model of the world. So it's just a matter of semantics, I think. Yeah. I think the real challenge is, is that you know we are quick to assume something for all those programs and things that you were describing earlier. No, I agree. I agree with you on that, and it's. Uh... And it was it was only the only reason I even brought it up was just because that is one of those words that's very triggering for people. And um, and I, I know a lot of people that have tried to chase this idea of being judgment free. And, you know, I think it's one of those very elusive things because yeah. and mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of how you hold space for them. I mean, in a lot of ways, what you've just done is, again, another NLP thing of reframing even the, a word like judgment to opinion. I have an opinion about somebody. Now, what's that opinion based on? Is it based on a combination of past experience? Is it based on your beliefs? Is it based on other internal programs? Is it based on what you've heard, the noise 
around of, of the community around you? Is it based on what you've read on your Facebook feed? Um, or a combination of all those. So it's all a matter of, again, self-inquiry and being able to self-assess and self-calibrate often just what's going on. And anybody can practice it. One of the easiest practices to check in with yourself is even just to set your, you know, your phone or your, if you've got one of those uh, tracker activity watches, you know, to set it every hour, you know, for like a, an on-the-hour check-in. Like, how am I doing? How do I feel right now? If I had to rate my overall state of presence, focus, well-being, 10 being, you know, wow, unbelievable. I'm sitting here at Yosemite with my three best friends and it's a perfect day right at sunset and, you know, everything's just perfect. That's a 10. One is, you know, I wish I could hide under my covers in bed. Where are you? And sort of practicing some self-calibration and then just trying little things that could nudge that number up. And you'd be surprised how fast you can nudge that. The unconscious mind, with most of my clients, once I practice with them a bit, they'll, they'll say, well, where are you at your overall state? And they'll be like, well, I'm an eight right now. I said, okay, I'd like you to just close your eyes, breathe in a little bit, through the, in through the nose, out through the mouth, kind of drop inside yourself and just kind of ask your unconscious mind, what does it need to do to get you up to a 10? And your unconscious mind is so happy that you're talking to it that it, it's like, well, I, sure, I'll be happy to help. And most of my clients, within a minute, without me doing anything, I'm holding space for them. Okay, I'm a 10 now. Let's go. Let's have our session. Yeah, because what's true about that? You can achieve a lot more at level 10 than at level 8, let alone at level 4. Well, and you can not just achieve, but you can hold much more challenging things with a, with a lesser likelihood of it dropping you down into into a into a much lower or much or negativity or more judgment or more other things so and great thanks so apart uh, you know your you know your um listeners more than i are, are there any other things you think are would be really important for them just as they as they focus in their uh careers or lives that i well, could share my most important listener and and dear friend is is wendy Aww. so <laughs> what do you think wendy, hey, wendy. So give us your thoughts, your feedback, or questions that you think people might want to know. Oh my gosh! You know you're putting me on the spot there. I love it. <laughs> um, as as an individual, let's say you are uh, you you need to motivate yourself better. How how do you do that as a person? Just like you know what I am so not in a good mood. How do you talk yourself into just being a more positive and a 10 instead of an eight. Well, the easiest way to do that for most people is just to think of a time. Imagine a time. I love that term. Imagine a time when you were a 10 and close your eyes and, and just see what you were seeing and hear what you're hearing and feel what you were feeling when you really felt like a 10 and just be there now, Wendy, and let me know when you're there. I like being a perfect 10. <laughs> We're good. I'm there. Did you go somewhere, though? Did you follow along? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was on the beach in Hawaii. Awesome. And and when you're on the beach in Hawaii, it's it's all great, right? Mm-hmm. It's relaxing. And as you come back present more to me and Bart, are you still bringing all those good feelings with you? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, but of course, because you've been around this more. For most people, that's almost when I first learned this 15 years ago. It was like magic to me. 
that just that you can that you can bring a good state to you and then once you stop thinking about it you still bring much of it along with you as you go forward mm-hmm. it's like it's like taking a mini vacation without uh without the expense or without uh, anybody harassing you for your visa <laughs> i it's love it what he, what he just did basically he allowed you to focus Mm-hmm. on a true experience that also has a tremendous anchor inside of you. And, and NLP, we use that term anchor, you know, just like when you go shopping and you suddenly smell, you know, uh, cookies that your grandmother made just inspires you to want to buy cookies. You know, marketing mm-hmm. companies, you know, have figured that strategy out really well. And this is really no different. I mean, you're you're tapping into a pattern or a program that you're used to that just makes you feel happy. It doesn't matter why it is. And, and so that's what, you know, um, uh, uh, Mitchell was sharing with us earlier is what you focus on, but then also your language. If you want to change your, your 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 state, if you will, you know, change the language, change the words that you're telling yourself. You know, am I livid, or am I angry, or am I frustrated? I mean, completely yeah. different experiences. I mean, your f- entire physiology is wired to respond to the language that we do. Mm-hmm. And finally, as Mitchell was shared earlier on is also your physiology you know standing up the brilliant thing about having that timer every hour is to actually you know focus on where you're at but also take that opportunity i would add is to stand up walk around for a minute to get out of that chair and prevent the new disease that we have in this country which is called the sitting disease and that's mm-hmm. simply what people you know sit down for long periods of time six to eight hours and that includes driving that includes watching TV, sitting down for for uh, meals, and then working. And that mm-hmm. risk is actually much cardiovascular risk is much higher than smoking. Yeah. So we have one minute left. <clears throat> so for the last thirty seconds, Mitchell, what are any last uh, wise words you would like to share? Wise words are uh, spend as much time as you can in a positive, joyful state. And again. The easiest way to do that is to imagine a time when and imagine yourself floating in that time, see what you're seeing, hear what you're hearing, feel what you're feeling, be there now, and open your eyes feeling fresh and amazing and bringing that positivity with you out into the world. And uh, there's so much good and love out in the world. Just, uh, Just be a part of it and share it. Love it. And how do people find you, Mitchell? Uh, they can find me at my house, which I'm not going to give the address. But other than that, they can find me at uh, growthceoadvisors.com. Great. Hey, Mitchell, thank you so much. It's been a great privilege and honor for both Wendy and myself. <clears throat> we love these conversations. And I am Dr. Bart Rademick, a prescription for your transformation, tapping into your brain intelligence, your body intelligence, and your energy intelligence, bringing new voices, new solutions to you. And I thank you, and we will be back next week. Fabulous. Take care. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Barton Rademacher live right here on Radio Star Worldwide each week or on demand 24-7. 